You guys can head off to your classes and grab a seat. Welcome back. Thanks for um, all of you that were out serving uh, the community last week. It was fun. Um, we continue to do those, and I love that um, you were part of it. For those of you that missed it, I uh, will hope to have you next time. It's, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We are working our way through Ephesians. Actually, we're coming to an end. Can you believe that? We spent like three years in Matthew, and we're actually going to finish Ephesians fairly quickly. It's amazing. Um, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. The ushers will grab one for you. Um, as, a, as a parent, we, we got a trampoline for our kids this last Christmas, and so pray that we don't break any bones or have to pay for that in any way. But one of the things I've noticed is that our kids are on there, and if you're, if you're a parent, you've experienced this with your kids in any way. When they, they, they start doing something new, the first thing they always want to say is, hey, 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 Dad, watch this. Hey, hey, Dad, see this. And so the kids are out there doing these uh, amazing, like, somersaults or whatever they call them or whatever they're doing in that moment or just bouncing on their bottoms, whatever's huge to them in that moment. But right after the instant they get it done, I mean, right after, they do it, they look right over. Like, did you see it? And it's that moment when you're, when you're a parent, you can understand, like, a couple different things. One is you can squash your children in that moment. All right, you can squash when you say, yeah, 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 watch, and then you look down at your phone and just kind of, like, sit there and look at it and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. That's cool. But what they're looking for is, is the excitement in them. They're looking for the smile in you and the excitement in you. Like what they did was so profound, it needs to go in the Guinness Book of World Records. Like that's the experience that they're wanting out of their parents in that moment. And what I realized is, is that what we're going to talk about today is, is specifically a really, really interesting set of scripture in, in, it, in, in it that this. I think that most of us have missed who and why and what we're doing on this earth. Who we're doing it for why we're doing it, and what we're actually doing on this earth. I think, in fact, I think so many of us are clamoring for someone else to look and just see what we're doing, that, that, that's, that all, of, all, the, all the way we've been hijacked. Our, our work, our school, our relationships, everything is being done for the wrong person. It's being done for the wrong motivation. In fact, our Facebooks and Instagram just exploit the snot out of this. It's like you're that three or four-year-old little boy or girl saying, look what it did. Someone like it. Someone noticed, noticed me and look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at. And we just spend so much energy and time doing this. In fact, you know what's amazing to me is that one of the things, so millennials age 18 to 35, a bunch of you in here, okay, they say that that generation more than any other generation before has desired that they would just do something with purpose or meaning. Right? Like they don't care what it is necessarily, but it's got to have purpose and meaning. Well, tell that to an engineer or a janitor or a salesperson or a lawyer. And every one of those people, every one of those positions, people want to find their meaning and their purpose, but, but I think we've, we've, missed, we've missed it. The very thing that this young generation is so excited about, I think they have, they have put all of the energy in the wrong spot. In fact, let me just pick on the older generation. How busy are you? I mean, think about it this way. If, I, if you were to ask, like someone says, hey, how, how's life? You just, what, like, it's just busy. Yeah, it's, just, it's just busy. Awesome. Like, is it, is it good? Well, yeah, there's good. You know, it's good. And I'm, I'm doing this. I just can't wait to get out of the season. Can't wait for this to end. I can't wait for this practice to end or this to end so we can get in this. It's just, you know, just be less busy. And I think what's happened is we've allowed culture to seep in in a way it, like in hostility to the scriptures that we're going to read today. And we are doing, we are those three and four-year-old little girls or boys doing things for the pleasure and the pleasing that we will gain when we see someone else acknowledge it. 
And so you right now are doing your jobs, you're going to college, you're figuring these things out, you're going, well, I got to do this so that this person will say, hey, good job. You did good. In fact, the reality is I think that most of us in our life are going through the motions. We're just waking up to breathe air, (laughs) to do what we need to do that day, just to go to sleep breathing air. We, we treat everything that way. In fact, it's, it's seeped its way into the church. It's seeped its way into our relationships. We're just going through the motions. And the only time that we don't seem to go through the motions is when we get the accolades from someone that we deem important to us or just a, a number count of Facebook or Instagram likes. And so the scriptures, if you have it, again, 6, uh, 5 through 9, We've been working on this household rules in, in, in the book of Ephesians. And we talked about wives and, and, and husbands and then children. And then he moves, he moves to, uh, to, to bond servants, to slaves and masters today. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we'll, um, we'll, let's read it and then we'll get in. Verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. And so we have to deal with this first off. The interesting thing is the Apostle Paul actually doesn't seem to, to push against slavery. And that's one of those things where um, today in, the, in, in the, the estimated kind of amount of slaves that are, are existent today is 30 million people in slavery today. This isn't in Paul's time when he's writing. 30 million people in slavery today. They say some 60,000 are in the States. And so we have 30 million, thousand, or 30 million people in slavery. Now, when we think about that number today, we think about the exploitation and all the hardship and everything. That is a little different than slaves in this day. And what's interesting is that the Apostle Paul doesn't, he doesn't um, try to abolish slavery in this statement. He just talks about how slaves are to act. Now, this is not him affirming that. In fact, we can find a number of other scriptures where he talks about people being free from slavery. But he tells them, this is how you're supposed to do it. Now, that word bondservant can be translated two different ways. Um, it's It represents a person of either sex who is under obligation to serve a master who would in turn provide a measure of protection. Some slaves, some servants were slaves under legal bondage, others were voluntary. The the word bondservant, if you've heard this before, someone that it's aged out. Most every single slave in this time was supposed to be emancipated at one point or another. Like they believed that they were going to, by the age of 30, in fact, the Roman ruler at one point put it like you have to wait until 30 because we need more slaves to do the work. But either way, they were, they were going to be freed at one moment. But a lot of slaves would, in this day would do it as a bondservant. They would say, no, I think that life with you is better than freedom outside of it. So they would become bondservants. They would become willing servants to the home that they were at. A couple things that were different about slavery in this, in this day versus our day. And I just want to hit these real quick and then we'll move on. Um, uh, predominantly, slavery was not um, racial. It, they were usually prisoners of war. So it wasn't necessarily a racial thing like what we deal with today. Uh, that many slaves could, um, could expect to be emancipated during their lifetime. In fact, um, most of them were expected to be released by the time they were 30 years old. 
Owners paid their slaves an occasional sum of money to, that would go to their freedom. So this is something that was different there. Uh, many slaves worked in a variety of specialized and responsible positions. Yes, there were agriculture, hard labor, manufacturing, domestic duties. There were also doctors, teachers, writers, accountants, agents, overseers, secretaries, and sea captains. Uh, many slaves received education and training in specialty skills. Freed slaves often became Roman citizens and developed a client relationship to their former masters. So all those things are drastically different than maybe what we see in slavery today, but, but please hear me on this, please. In spite of these differences between Roma-era slavery, I wrote down this way, and New World slavery, it is important not to con construe this ancient form as more humane or as a morally justifiable economic system. Slaves possessed few legal rights, as one scholar said it this way, they possessed few legal rights, lacked honor, were subject to whatever punishment their masters deemed appropriate, and were sometimes treated with hideous cruelty. Could not keep their own children um, born to them while in slavery. They could be separated from their spouses by the slave master and were not allowed to own property of any kind. So slavery is not a good thing. In fact, the, the, the fact that we are against it is really, really good. And so what I want to do real quickly, I'm just going to ask, I'm going to put someone on the spot before we move on. First century and second, and, and or slavery in this time and slavery today is different, but both are wrong. Okay? Ownership of anyone is, is in, in the front of the gospel. And so what I want to do real quickly is someone just, can we just pray for the 30 million slaves today? Would that be okay? I just want to pause. I'm not going to do it. Would someone just raise your hand and just be willing to pray for the 30 million slaves today that need to be freed and have hope of Jesus? Thank you. Hmm. Amen. Thank you. Slavery is, is an ugly, ugly thing. And I think in a lot of ways, all of us have a role to play in that, um, both in the fact that we are to fight for those that are in slavery, but also I think that we are to fight from being slaves ourselves. See, I think when I said at the beginning, I think a lot of us are going through the motions. I think we've been enslaved to culture. We've been enslaved to our positions. We've been enslaved to roles when actually we are already bought with a price through Jesus Christ. And so when we come to a scripture like this where it talks about slaves, the apostle Paul isn't undoing, the, his, his role isn't to try and fight, to, to create a revolt against slavery. Instead, he goes, okay, well, and as a part of the socioeconomic state you're in, here's how you are to operate. And he, he urges and pleads to these, to these bond servants, to people, on how they are to operate with life, which says two things. One is, first off, the fact that the Apostle Paul even communicates to slaves tells us that slaves were a part of the household and available to hear these things. Because he's not like he's saying, hey, masters, go tell your slaves this. He's communicating to them. He's saying, hey, as, as bond servants, this is what, what pleases the Lord. This is what God is calling you to in this role. Now, how we can easily apply this to today is, is, is an employee-employer situation. But what I want to do is I want to kind of do a little bit broader stroke. In fact, Colossians um, 3.17 says this. Whatever you do, in word or deed, that's speaking or doing something, okay, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, as I read this this week, as I studied this week, I got to tell you right now, I've done a lot of things on a regular basis that aren't for the Lord. I've gone through the motions in a lot of ways, and I think a lot of us do that as well. In fact, let me just, let me just push on this for a second. In Colossians, the Apostle Paul doesn't say, most of the things you do most, just, just most of the things you do. No, he doesn't say that. You know what he does? He doesn't just say the, the, the job you have where it seems like you're making an important value to this world. You're making it a better place so you can, you can connect those dots. Well, then do that for the Lord. 
No, he says, he says, whatever you do. He says, whatever you do. Whether you do the seemingly worst job, like there's that, you know, worst jobs TV show. Whether you are doing that or you have the, the job that you dreamed of as a, as a six-year-old, and a doctor or a lawyer, whatever may seem fancy to you. Whatever you do, you do for the Lord. See, and here's, here's why I said the big disconnect is. Especially, I'm, especially I think that even people above millennials desire to have their value, like their job mean something. Like, I get that. I'm not saying that, that only millennials feel that. But I think where you've been telling yourself the lies that you don't think, you don't realize that you already are. That means that whether your job is the lamest job, it's not what you expected. You came out of college like hot with an awesome grades and you're like, man, I'm just, I'm flying. Things are going to be awesome. And then you got landed this kind of pretty pathetic job in your mind. And you do that job as if for the Lord. And here's why. Here's what happens. You want your job to be meaning. Everyone wants to start a nonprofit to free slaves or to do all those things. And those are beautiful and that's awesome. That's great. But did you ever stop to think that the fact that where you're at right now is the Lord's will? Did you ever stop to think that you just doing what you're called to do by God's, God's standards would actually be kingdom-minded? I think we forget that, that oh, wait, I can, serve, I can serve coffee with a kingdom mindset. And then my job has more value than maybe I would have ever thought. We disconnected. Oh, I can, I can be a stay-at-home mom. And there's value in that. I can be a stay-at-home dad. There's value in, in just playing the role that God has put you in. And instead of trying to get out of it and run from it and find something more sexy or desirable in, in every fancy way, we can actually serve in our current spot as in the Lord. And then you know what? Here's, here's what happens. When you do everything in word or deed, when you do those for the Lord, you know what you're doing? You're living a part of the kingdom. It's kingdom impact. It doesn't have to be some fancy, something that every single person goes, whoa, that is so amazing. They're my hero. Though there's plenty of people that will do that. And you may be called to be one of them. But how dare we? How dare we? How dare we sit lazy and, and, and bittered and, and just continue to grumble in these positions, these roles, you're basically saying, God, where you have me isn't good enough. You better do better. I'm out. That's what that posture is. In Colossians, again, he says do everything, not, not just deed, but, but in word. See, I, I, I feel like a lot of us get burned out in a lot of different ways because we're going so much. But I think it's because we're forgetting what we're supposed to be doing. I had a, a brilliant reminder of this, actually, at my, soccer, my daughter's soccer game. Um, we went to it, and it's really fun to watch, and we're there, and, and there were a number of people, there are three other people that, that go to church here that are just kind of big sisters, and I guess a big brother, too, to my kids, and they just, they love my kids, which is so awesome, and they're hanging out, and the soccer coach, one of the soccer coach's wife's daughter sitting in, in um, one of our friend's lap, and just, like, totally took to her that day, and she leans over to me, the, the, the mom, she leans over, and she's like, who is that, you know, like, confused by this, I was like, well, oh, that's just, she's a really good family friend of ours, and she's awesome. She said, well, my daughter's taken to her. I said, yeah. She's like, well, who are they? Well, they're just, you know, they're just really some, just some really good family friends. She's like, where do you get all these young people to hang out with you? Like, she was perplexed by this. Like, she's like, huh, how do you do that? I'm like, actually, you know, it's, it's funny. We're, we're part of a, just a part of a church that we all hang out together. And she's like, oh. And she was perplexed by it. And I realized something. These people didn't have to come to the soccer game. 
They really didn't. I mean, it's awesome. They could have come to one. They don't need to keep coming to everyone. I love that they do it. My kids love that they do it. But they didn't just show up and just disconnect. Instead, they showed up and they were present. And what happens is then someone else goes, this doesn't make sense. Can you just imagine for a second, maybe this is a bad analogy, but can you just imagine for a second if you worked as if everything you were doing was for Jesus Christ alone? I mean, you woke up and you got to work and when you clocked in or if you don't clock in, you get to just kind of walk in because it's a cool new hip, hip way to do work, right? Like whatever it is. If you, if, you, if you did that and you said, today I'm serving coffee to Jesus Christ. Today I'm going to, I'm going to care for these kids as if they are, they are Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the one I'm serving. And then could you just imagine what the difference would be if you said, and I get to do this with Jesus Christ. See, you, we believe the lie. We believe the lie that everything we're doing has no value unless someone else deems it valuable. We're that three-year-old child saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. He, he tells the, the servants, he tells the servants, he says, you do this with fear and trembling um, when you serve them. And that those two words together actually don't mean probably what we mean. Um, it's better to say it this way, an anxious, anxious eagerness to do your duty and a fear of displeasing. This phrase has to do with an attitude of, of due reverence and awe in the presence of God, a godly fear of the believer in view of the final days. It's not a slavish terror of an unbeliever. This urges slaves to obey their masters that obedience should be rendered with reverence and awe in the presence of God in Christ, a godly fear in view. Now, how, how many of us wake up and go to our jobs in fear and trembling. My bet is, is not very many, unless you have a lot of people around you saying, you're, you're important and you're amazing, you're doing this. But most of us don't do our jobs that way. We, we struggle to find value in it. So here's what I want to do today. I want to talk real quickly about employees. And, and I'm going to say to employees, meaning if you have a job, and th- I think this applies to anything. You know what? It, it breaks my heart when people serve in the church and they do it on their own strength. Where people are like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna go ahead and, I'm gonna go ahead and give a little bit of something here, but you know, like, if I really have to put my whole heart into this, I'm just really, I'm just kind of a glorified babysitter in these kids' classrooms, so that's what I'm doing here. No, like, what, what's wrong with us that we believe that we are doing things on our own strength for our own purposes, for our own glory? Everything we do is for Him. So whether it's an employer, you're like, well, I don't have a job. Okay, great. Well, whatever you're doing, are you doing it for the Lord? Because that's what Colossians tells us. It's not just specifically your work, but it's whatever you're doing. So whatever you're doing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple ways in which we can understand as to whether or not we're doing it within, in regards to what the scriptures say. First one is, is that you treat your manager or supervisor with deep respect. Well, I get to manage some people here at the church, and so I hope that there's respect there. But for those of you outside of the church, do you respect your managers? deep respect. Well, you, you, don't know, you just don't know my man- manager. Like he's, he or she, she's, they're just a horrible person. Okay, great. Do you think every slave was treated well when Paul was saying this to them? Do you think that it was, the way they were being treated was fair? No. But the apostle Paul is saying, hey, you want to you wanna show how you're doing this for the Lord? Treat them. Treat them with immense respect. I mean, stop talking poorly about them. That's gossip and slander. That's a whole other set of scripture we can talk about. That is sinfulness. It's disobedience. Treat them with a deep respect. Because of their position of responsibility over your managers and supervisors should be respected, even if, they think, even if you think they don't deserve it. Second thing he says in here, he tells us to do, it with, do your work with a pure heart and good attitude. 
How many of you can say you've gone to your job with a pure heart and good attitude? You know where I was in most trouble with this was in college. Ah, it's just a part-time job. I'll just do this. Who cares? Some of you right now, you're operating that way. Your heart is not pure in what you're doing because you're already thinking about where you're going. You're like, this isn't where I'm going to be forever, so I don't have to give everything to this. This is in blatant disregard to what the Scriptures are calling us to do. Then this is the one that I think we struggle with the most. He says, um, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. So, so many of us want to be acknowledged. In fact, I had a job in, in Dairy Queen when I was 16 years old, and the things I did on Sundays, because I was the only person that could work on Sundays, and I was at 16 called the manager, the things I did there were horrible, okay? Like, I mean, terrible, because boss wasn't around, I could do whatever I want, right? It was terrible. The, the, as, as, as comical as what I did, and trust me, there's some really funny stories there, okay? <laughs> it was still sinful. I mean, I didn't know Jesus at that time, but some of you right now, you, prof- you, you proclaim the name of Jesus and you operate like that. Boss isn't around. Good enough. No one will really see this. You know what he, he, he bases this eye service on? He says, don't do it this way, but what, but what, as what? What's the scripture say? As a, as a bondservant to Christ. See, we're looking. Some of you, I guarantee you do this. Your boss is in you stand up better and you work a little harder. When they're gone, you kind of slouch down, you relax, and you kind of let go. You're a little lazy. Still get the job done, but not really well. You, you've missed it. You know whose eyes are fixed on you? Jesus Christ. His eyes are fixated on you when your boss is around and when your boss isn't around. In fact, just in case you're wondering, if some of you wrestle with this, doing this for men, and this probably falls in a lot of our lines just in general. We, we do this all the time. People serve in the church this way as well. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, he says to them in Luke 16, 15, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of the Lord. The Pharisees were doing everything to be seen by men, be acknowledged by what they could do there, but not understanding or recognizing that the value of what they do is when they do it when no one else is watching. Um, The other thing he says in here is, we can find this is give God's will top priority in your life. I think we forget that, I think we actually think, I know I do this, that I'm the one that put myself in the positions I'm in. I just happen to ask the right questions, be in the right place, pursue the right things, and this is my, my work. Oh, it's just, it's just what we just decided as a family. You know, we decided that, I'm gonna, that she's going to be a stay-at-home mom, and that's a, so it's my decision to put her in this position. I think we forget that God is, is in and over everything. So the positions you're in, the places you are, is his will. So why are we squirming to get out of it? And let me, let me just say this. I understand some of us, like, you're like, man, my, my, I really don't feel like this job works for me, and I feel like there's something that could be better. And I'm not saying that there's not. I'm saying that while you're there, you're doing it with your full heart. You're doing it in a way that, that, that others will say, man, that person works differently. Why? Because they're strong or they're amazing? No, because they're submitted to a higher power. I think we need to remember that the Lord expects us to do good works, notices when we do them, and reward us with all that we've done. There are many good things that you've done in your jobs that your employers have always overlooked and have never acknowledged. But you, you realize how big, I, like this, just pause for quick. You realize how big this statement is? And I, I didn't, it didn't hit me this week until I really started to think about it. Wait a second. This means 
that I don't need to jump on the trampoline as a three-year-old and keep yelling, dad, 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 pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Did you see, did you see, did you see? No, you know what this means? This means that, that our Lord has leaned over and his gaze is fixated on you. This tells us two things. One, that he is ridiculously huge. Did you ever think about that? At every moment, he knows your heart. He's paying attention to you right now and me and you. His, he is fixated on us. Here's, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Not only is his gaze fixed on us, you know what he's doing? He's like, oh, oh I'm, I'm going to reward that. Oh, that's it. Yeah, you're, I'm going to reward that. He is looking for ways to reward us. And here we are down here in our little old world going, I just want more meaning in my job. I just want to be more noticed. And the almighty, powerful God has his gaze fixated on us. He says, oh, I'm going to reward that. Oh, I'm, I'm going to reward that. Even if, even if their boss never notices. Think how amazing this would have been to hear as a slave. Wait, wait, let me, let me get this straight. Despite what they do and how they treat me and what they think of me, my heavenly Father who created me and knows me is paying attention. His gaze is fixated on me. So why are we worried about what other people think? Maybe the better question is, why are we going through the motions? Why do we just keep going through the motions of doing life? I'm just going to get up and, you know, I do this on Sundays and I do this on Mondays and I just do this on Tuesday, just going through the motions. Instead, we should be waking up and saying, Lord, today, today I get to, I get to do something for his kingdom purposes while I'm cleaning this floor. There's going to be a posture and a way in which I can bag groceries or in which I can, I can clean toilets or in which I can serve coffee or I can serve someone. There's going to be a way in which I get to do this today that's, that's for his kingdom purposes. And the Father's gaze, he's just, he's just fixated on us. Again, it's not about us. Don't, don't, go, don't get me wrong there. Not like he's going, oh, I just need to exalt you so you can be big. In fact, we have lots of scripture about how he needs to humble us so that he can exalt us. But have you ever thought about the fact that, that when you wake up and you go to your job tomorrow, 9 a.m., 7 a.m., 6 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever time you go, 10, 12, some of you millennials, I get it right, like later in the day, <laughs> whenever you go to your work, right, whatever time it is, have you walked in and said, you know what, today I don't care what happens in this world. I don't care how hard this day is. I don't care what my boss asks me. Today I'm going to do everything I do, everything I do, as if I'm doing it for Jesus Christ because that's what he calls me to. In fact, um, he, he speaks to the employers here and here as well. So some of your managers are like, oh, man, I'm on the hook too. <laughs> um, his answer is you should do the same, managers. Um, all, all managers are answerable to Lord Jesus Christ himself for every decision they make and how they treat their personnel. Every supervisor, boss, manager, warden, colonel will be called to give an account at the judgment seat of Christ. We see that in 2 Corinthians 5, 10. So we must all appear before the judgment seat of, of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so as managers, he calls the same thing. He says, look, and he tells them to stop threatening. Some of you as parents, you need to stop threatening. Good night. I do that all the time. You do that one more time. Foolish. He's saying, stop, stop doing a heavy-handedness. Instead, serve. He's, he's laying the groundwork as a servant leader. That's what Jesus Christ is. And so he calls employers or employees, whether you manage or you don't manage, or you're like, I mean, I'm just a boss, I'm just a big wig here. Great, well, the expectations are you to still do everything as if you're doing it for the Lord. And that the person below you, you don't own them. They're not your property. They're mine. 
What's God saying? He said, they're all mine. These are my children. These are my people. As he speaks to the believers, he says, look, these, these people you're leading, you're leading them because I put you in this position. How dare you lord over them? I'm their lord. So, managers, owners, supervisors, the, the call is just the same for you. Let me guess. It's like, well, if they would just start doing their job, right? Who's leading them? You're leading them. You do everything as if you're doing it for the Lord. We long for people's attention because we don't trust the gaze of the Lord and the promises of Him. We long for that. We're like, oh, I just want people's attention so bad because we don't trust that He's actually paying attention to us. We don't put any value in the fact that He is looking at us. And he is, He's committed Himself that He is going to bring whatever good anyone does. This He will receive back from the Lord, whether He is a bondservant or free. Whatever, whatever good's done, the Lord, I don't know how this looks. Like, I, don't, I don't get how this plays out. I don't know if we go up there and be like, all right, Jesus, cool. Hey, Brian, here's your pile of good. <laughs> here's where you failed. I, I, don't, I don't know how that plays out. Like, we don't have a, 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 man, I can tell you two things. One is there's not gonna be shame because shame is not from God. But two is anything that the Lord that created me says that he will give me as good, I can guarantee it's better than anything I can grab at this world. It is better than anything I can sink my teeth in, anything I can put my hands on in this world because everything in this world burns up. But a reward that's put in heaven is, is sustaining and lasting forever. So there's some motivation for this. It's truly possible for all of us, no matter the institution or the role, doctor or janitor, to do everything we are to do for the Lord. This means we need to give up on being lazy. This also means that there is meaning behind everything we do, even if it seems to have no kingdom relevance. You're doing it for the Lord is the kingdom relevance. I, I wanted to end on, on this because I feel like a lot of times we can hear a scripture like this and we can go, man, I'm just so convicted by that. And I think a lot of us assume that conviction is enough. I'm just so convicted. Oh, yeah, you know, thank you, Lord, for convicting me. And we never ask the question, God, what do you want to do with that conviction? And if you don't, you're, you're at risk of two things. One is you're at risk of, of wallowing in guilt because you're just going to keep getting convicted and convicted and convicted and you're just going to feel guilty then. I can't do anything right. I, I, I challenge you. I challenge you to ask this. If you're feeling convicted this way, all right, Lord, by your spirit, Bring his power into my life and let me walk out of this. Let me be free from this, this ridiculous desire to see what men think of me and let me just be fixated on the fact that my Lord, my King, is his eyes, his gaze is fixated on me and what I'm doing. Don't just be convicted. And I, I want to challenge you in this. If you're going through the motions, whether it's serving here or going to school or going to work, stop it. Stop going through the motions. Because here's, here's what I know and here's, here's what I guarantee Guys, I'm going to pick on us. We love to try and compartmentalize everything, right? We kind of pull a drawer out, like this is the social side of my life. Then we pull a drawer out. This is the emotional one. Eh, not too far out, right? And we kind of keep that one low in, right? And we kind of compartmentalize all these different things. Do you really believe that you can go through the motions in one thing and be perfectly amazing in another for a long time? Do you think that's sustainable? Do you think you're just kind of going through the motions with this whole, I'm following Jesus, sort of, and that's just going to like, you're going you're gonna to end up in this amazing walk with the Lord? Do you think going through the motions in your job is going to get you anywhere? No. You, you, look, let me just say it really clearly. You can't compartmentalize this. We're not, we're not, a, we're not given the freedom to, to walk in laziness. Look, look, I was convicted on this last week. We operate with no urgency. Have you thought about it? You all know friends and family and coworkers that have no stinking hope in this world, and you're just content at going through the motions like I am at times. Where's our urgency? Where's, our, where's the reality of like, wait, wait, 
I'm supposed to be doing something with my life, not just going through the motions, not just getting a paycheck or providing for life or just being able to get a cool vacation. All those things are great. But where's the urgency? Every single one of us have family members, close friends that have no hope. And we're just going through the motions? That should stir us up a little bit. Just stir us up a little bit. Be like, wait a second. Hold on, hold on. Wait, this life isn't about me just making it to some end so I can retire with the right amount of money and just call it good? No, wait. There's people that God has me in contact with every single day that need to know about Jesus Christ and the hope he brings. And we're afraid. It's too hard. I'll do it when I get to this next life stage. Have you ever read the screw tape letters? C.S. Lewis does a great job of telling us to just keep pushing out the urgency. I'll just do that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel really bad about it today so you get convicted and feel guilty. And then, you, you know, you can turn from God in your guilt and you just do it tomorrow, but you won't do it tomorrow. So then you'll feel more guilt and you won't do it the next day. So then you'll feel more guilt and pretty soon you're just off going through the motions. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will. Excuse me. I wore purple today, so that's why I'm crying. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know what I'm so tired of in my life? Not just you. Man, my life is this stinking complaining. We are so discontent with everything. And Paul says, in all circumstances, in all circumstances, give thanks. For this is the will of the Lord, Christ Jesus, in you. It's his will for you to be where you are. It's his will for you to give thanks to him for where you are. Stop going through the motions. Stop playing Christianity. Stop playing employee. Stop playing boss. And step into the role with confidence saying, the spirit of God lives inside of me and I'm called to live in light of that. You're burnt out because you've lost sight of it. You're lazy because you don't believe God is paying attention. <laughs> you're complaining because you've forgotten why you're here. You're going through the motions because you just don't believe that the living God is alive in you. We can't keep going like this. So would you join me in this maturity year that we're on say, God, I'm done being immature in this way. And would you start working and start living and start doing. Don't just go through the motions. This isn't everything. Don't come up and play keys going through the motions. Don't, don't serve as an usher through the motions. Don't go to your gospel community just going through the motions, just, just trying to buy myself time the next day. Don't just go to youth group going, well, I'll just go. This is what I'm supposed to do. Like, why, why are we doing that? It does nothing to go through the motions. Why not light a little fire on us and get a little bit more urgency? Recognize that there's some people around us that have no hope. Recognize this, parents, this is, this is what's plagued me. This is, this is a, a legitimate fear that I have to wrestle with all the time. Recognize this, your children see your laziness and complacency. And if you think that because you're telling them not to do it, but you're still doing it, that they're just going to grow up in a totally different way, well, that's God's grace if it happens. Trust me, they're, they're paying attention. You know what else is, is crazy? Parents, people, kids see how busy you are. You can't do anything well because you're running so ragged. There's a strong Christ focus that informs this passage. 
Believers should do their work and serve their employers as if they were doing it directly for Jesus himself. This is more than just a hypothetical point that Paul's making because his appeal is rooted in their new identity in Christ. Just as Paul is a slave of Christ, believers are now slaves of Christ and owe him their ultimate allegiance and full obedience. Forgive me as your pastor if, if you've heard or thought something different than the fact that you are, you are bought and owned at an extensive price through Jesus Christ's blood. You're not your own if you claim his name. You don't get this, I can just do whatever I want. No, you were already owned. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing some more, but I'm going to challenge you in a couple things. One is, don't go through the motions. Let's just make this, let's just make this our, our, our motto for this week and this next, is every single day, every single day, instead of looking at I probably frustrated the, the snot on my children this week because I was like, hey, pick up that poop as if you're doing it for the Lord all week long. Like, that's literally what I was doing, right? Because I realized in how many different ways in my life I'm just doing stuff because I'm just like supposed to. Well, okay, Bren, really, how are you going to pick up poop by, by like pleasing Jesus Christ? Well, you know what? Without grumbling. I was recognizing that, that I could not be able to walk. Recognize that there are 30 million people that don't even get the joy of picking up poop out of a backyard that they own. Right? You, we, we are thinking way too small and selfishly. So as you worship, maybe you don't. Maybe you just sit. Maybe it's time you just sit and say, Lord, I need my heart to be broken again. Maybe, maybe you stand and you sing as loud as you possibly can off key without caring for once what anyone else thinks. Maybe you just join us. I don't, I don't know where you're at, but I, I, I challenge you in this. Don't you dare stand up and say these words if you're just going through the motion. I'm done allowing us to just go through motions. You stand up, you sing them because you mean them, because you believe the power of Jesus Christ and His Spirit lives inside of you. Let's stop going through the motions. Heavenly Father, thank you for, thank you for reminding me just how how much more sanctification I need. Thank you for reminding me that, that as daunting as that may seem, if I fix my eyes on the founder, Jesus Christ, it's a, it's a joyful ride. And so God, we, we, we come before you. Our present sufferings, we, we, we call out joy in because we know they're making us more like you. God, we pray for a faith that is founded on you and you alone. God, forgive us for going through the motions. God, the individuals that are in here that have been lazy and complacent and going through the motions of jobs, I pray you give them the boldness to go ask their boss for forgiveness. Whether they're believers or not, I pray that they say, look, I've done this wrong. Forgive me. This is not what you hired me to do. I have not, I have not taken this the way that I should have. Forgive me for that. God, for the bosses that have been ruling with an iron fist and not serving, would you break their hearts to recognize that they're only in that position because of you? And you can take that position at any moment. Father, for all of us that are going through motions, those that are feeling burnout, they're feeling burnout because they've lost sight of why they're doing what they're doing. We're feeling exhausted because we forget that everything we're doing needs to be done by your strength. Father, would you give us um, the ability to, to serve you with a whole heart? And as we sing right now, God, whether we're standing in the room or sitting or we're just listening, God, I pray you do a mighty work. I pray your spirit shows up and speaks to every single one of us, tells us what we need to hear, tells us what we need to do, and God, I pray instead of us just being convicted by that, we submit ourselves to it. And we say, I don't care what the consequences, the seeming worldly consequences may come, I trust my whole life to you, Lord. You desire nothing less, you've called for nothing less, so how dare we give less? We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.